What's my name? Fuck you! That's my name! Nice. Hi, welcome to A Damn Podcast. I am Adam Sherlock. And I am Adam Pulcher. And if you remember last week, we did Rosemary's Baby, starring Mia Farrow, who was in the shitty Omen remake with the creepy bald foreign guy who played Kubayashi in Usual Suspects, with Kevin Spacey, who is in our movie this week, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Cool. The uh, 1992. I know you. Yeah. Uh, I know you just last week you said it might have been 80s. And you know why I thought it was the 80s? Because of that awesome, awesome night court theme music that <laughs> happens at the beginning of it. It is light jazz with an L I T E at the beginning. <laughs> Holy God! Bing da bing bing. Yeah, with the train. Oh my God! The train thing's okay. That's pretty cool. But I'm just like, and there's cooler jazz music throughout the movie. But in that beginning, I'm just like. And James Newton Howard did it. Hasn't he done more reputable stuff than light jazz? I don't know. His name doesn't really strike a chord with me. Um, has he? It was directed by James Foley, who hasn't really done much else. But he did Fear with Marky Mark. I like that movie. Um, the Corrupter, also with Marky Mark, and Chow Yun Fat. I don't know, it's hmm. an action movie. And he also did an episode of Twin Peaks. Which did he really? Cool. Yep. That's pretty cool. So, um, And of course we have an outstanding cast of Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Alec Baldwin, Ed Harris, Alan Arkin, and Kevin Spacey. Ed Harris, interesting. His name in the movie is Dave Moss. Our, our good friend our, Dave this Moss. This is so strange yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, uh, written uh, originally uh, as a play by David Mamet yep. and then rewritten as a screenplay uh, for this movie. You can um, completely see how it could be a play, though. Oh, I, I mean, there's nothing in it that, you no. know, I mean, you've got, what, two, Four two walls. sets? Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, and uh, just to give a basic synopsis that's really quick, and I always, whenever I'm talking about movies with people and, uh, you know, they're asking some of my favorite movies and this movie comes up and people go, oh, wow, really, what is that? And I, know. I say... Are you kidding me? I say <laughs> it is this uh, ensemble piece movie that's pretty much just dialogue. Nothing happens in it. Uh, it's about a bunch of guys who work at a place called uh, Premium Properties um, for the this sort of... Um, uh, strange, godly uh, guys named uh, uh, Mitch and Murray. Yep. Um, and they're trying to sell these super shitty pieces of real estate mm-hmm. uh, called the Rio Rancho Estates. And they have a couple others that are like... Uh, there's a couple other like Florida estates. But mm-hmm. basically all these guys are super, super desperate salesmen and uh, an inspirational... An ins- moti- inspirational? Motivational uh, type speaker from Mitch and Murray comes and basically says... Everybody's numbers need to come up, or they're canning the, the, the they're canning everybody but the top three, mm-hmm. and so you need to get out there and start selling stuff. Yeah, if you can start selling stuff, you get these new leads, new new clientele that are called the Glen Gary accounts, and mm-hmm. they are the holy grail. Mm-hmm. And that's the movie. That's pretty much it. That's the entire movie, and I say that to people, and they give me. That, you know, to quote Rollins, uh, the look that a dog has on its face when you show it a card trick. Yep. <laughs> you know? Because it's like, why would that be any good? And it's like, it is more visceral and and gut-wrenching and well, intense. This I movie mean, is pure acting. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. And, and, and there is not a weak link nope. in the movie. 
I, everyone is just phenomenal. Um, when I was researching, I found out that a lot of the guys that were in the movie that weren't actually in the scenes still showed up to set just to watch the scenes. Like, wow. Just because, I mean, that is an all-star cast, really. And oh, yeah. The scene that, let's start off with the first scene, really, of Alec Baldwin. Yeah, which actually, that uh, character of the motivational speaker who comes in to talk to them from the Jim yeah. was added into the movie... Uh, when when Mamet wrote the screenplay for it to be a movie and wrote it specifically for Alec Baldwin, yeah. it and was written for. It truly him. is one of the greatest scenes ever, especially it in his really career. is. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean he comes in there like a bull in a china shop. I mean he does <laughs> not. Where he's just like, are they all here? And they're like all but one. He's I like, I'm start. I'm, I don't care. I'm starting anyway. I'm going. Yeah, and he's like, just starts berating all oh. the guys, you know. And let's go through really quick. Uh, the the uh, the the cast and the different characters. So we have uh, um, Dave Moss played by Ed Harris, who's this sort of middle aged guy who's literally at the end of well not literally but but he he is at the end of his means as far as what he's doing with his life. He doesn't want to be a salesman anymore. He's he's constantly just like red faced, pissed off. Yep. Um, then we have uh, Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon who plays Shelley. Who is the most desperate, Shelley desperate Levine. guy? Shelly Levine, the machine. Shelly Levine, fuck which, the machine, fuck the machine. <laughs> and actually, uh, if you remember the character from The Simpsons of Gil. Oh, Gil's got to get one more good one in here. That character is based on yep. Jack Lemmon's performance in this movie of, as Shelly Levine. Mm -hmm. He has a daughter who's sick and in the hospital, and he's older. He's pretty washed up, and he's just looking for. He's looking to try and turn it around, and and it's mm -hmm. it's it's actually. Pretty sad. Um, then we have uh, Ricky Roma, uh, played by Al Pacino, Wonderfully. who is the best closer. He is he is almost uh, obtained this uh, mystical way of selling real estate. I mean, it's it's we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So anyway, he's the top salesman in the company. Then we have George, uh, uh, once again played incredibly by uh, oh, I just Alan named, Arkin. Alan Arkin, thank you. Yep. Um, and he actually. You never see him sell anything nope. in the movie, and you really get the impression he never really has. Yeah. He's just always about five steps behind, really, really nervous, gets really worried people don't like him, and he just doesn't really know he what's going on. He takes a call on. near the beginning where he's kind of trying to get somebody on the phone or whatever, and giving him a spiel, saying he's in town for one night, but yeah. that's pretty much the only time. And they say, and they, you pretty much, I mean, it's a one-sided uh, uh conversation here but they pretty much tell him no and he goes oh, oh, oh okay yeah he doesn't even go for a hard sell and he hangs <laughs> up caves in um then we've got john uh played by kevin spacey who is the office manager and who basically through the majority of the movie gets treated like shit by that's everybody. what i've written down it's like it's uh, like the only movie <laughs> in which kevin spacey isn't the one handing called their every asses. name in the book yeah much. it's yeah. incredible <laughs> um and then uh let's see is that um, and then you also have Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, who doesn't have a name. No, he doesn't. He's never given a Asshole. name in this. Fuck so, you is his yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you is his name. That was the little scene I did at the beginning. That's right. His name is fuck you. The band uh, No Use for a Name uses that at the beginning of one of their CDs. That's and right. It's perfect. That's right. Um, so now, so now, let, now that we know the characters, we get into this first scene. We have Alec Baldwin coming in. Mitch and Murray sent him down there to basically say, you know, and, and it goes to this great thing where he says. Uh, all right, we're going to have a new contest, ladies. Here's how it's going to work. First prize, you know what the first prize is? First prize is an El Dorado. Second prize, a set of steak knives. Third prize, you're fucking fired. 
right? And uh, so many quotable lines. Yeah, he scene. has the ABC always yeah. be closing, and then the AIDA, the attention, interest, decision, action. Right. And my favorite line is uh, is like where he pulls out the the brass balls. Out oh of this thing. man, you, you gotta have brass to balls. <laughs> and it's so che- and that's one of those parts where you're like, that's so cheesy. That's so it's like so motivational crazy. speech speaker cheesy. Um, you know, and he really is, Alec Baldwin, he really comes in, and one of the main people that he's berating is Jack Lemmon's character of Shelley, and, and he's really the, this young real estate stud who's talking about all this money that he's made. And, you know, at this point, we already know that Jack Lemmon's daughter is sick, and, yeah. that, you know, he doesn't have any money. And so when you just see him throwing it back in <coughs> Lemmon's face, it's it's just, it's really hardcore, and it's really it's really rough thing to watch, but... You know, and it makes you just wonder watching it, like, why are any of these guys even fucking in there? Like, why? You know, but the second he starts talking, they all shut up. Mm-hmm. And then oh, the yeah. second he leaves the room, uh, Ed Harris's character gets up and he's like, fuck that! People shouldn't be treated like this! Yeah. And gets all, like, all same inflamed again. Too. Yeah. yeah, same way. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, Alec Baldwin basically tells them, as I said before, shit or get off the pot, these are the gold leads. The Glenn Gary leads, and they're only for winners. They're only for closers. Mm-hmm. So... Get out there and sell, um, and then we get and then we get them uh, with their old leads that they've been given out by. We should uh, also Spacey. mention uh, Pacino's across the street at the Chinese restaurant. He hasn't even been there the yeah, whole time. He's selling this other guy, and he isn't even the guy's just sitting next to him in the bar, yeah. and he starts talking to him. That's the last That's thing how we good see. Of a salesman, he yeah, is, though that he's just in there having a drink. He's working on it for hours, and so. Now we see the guys and they're trying to sell it. All the lies where they're calling up and they're like, "Um, our president uh, is in town for three (laughs) days or I'm the vice president of a small corporation called Rio Rancho. These are the guys you avoid completely. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm at the airport right now and he's in like a phone booth like out on the street and he's like, or he's in a phone booth on the street and he's holding the phone away and going, Grace, could you give me those numbers? Go ahead and book me at the uh, 1015 to uh, Albuquerque. 10000 in cash. Yeah, I mean, just lies, 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 lies. And they have this sing-song thing in their voices where, like, they'll be talking like this, and then they get on the phone and go, yes, I'm looking for Mr. or Mrs. Nyborg. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're just like, oh, it's so fake, man. Yeah, you hate, this is the, they're just so pushy. They won't give up. And um, like you mentioned, uh, I guess let's move on just to kind of go over how neurotic Jack Lemmon's character gets his, this the next scene that kind of comes up where he's trying to sell Kevin Spacey to give him some of the good leads. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, definitely. The, the bribe scene, basically. Mm-hmm, yeah, and he's he's you know saying I'll give you X amount of my percentages, um, you know, and I'll give you I'll give you all the you know I'll give you uh, so many dollars for each one, and you know, so Kevin Spacey bucks, basically yeah. takes him up on it and says, "All right, then you you really want him?" He's like fifty bucks a shot. And he's like, "Okay, give me two. Plus and he's two. like, he just looks at him and he just shrugs and he's like what and he goes two leads that's a hundred bucks and he doesn't even have the hundred dollars to cover it to be able to do it and so we just see lemon scrambling with these uh really bad leads that they've given him meanwhile then we switch over yeah (laughs) meanwhile then we switch over to ed harris and alan arkin who have gone across the street to the chinese restaurant and they are eating or i guess they're just drinking and they have this conversation that that makes you realize that you know you you see these scenes in like movies like Lord of the Rings where it shows like the behind the scenes stuff and that you know the actors had to spend months uh, learning how to parry and thrust so they could do these great stunt scenes with these sword fighting and yeah. all this choreography and it's like 
okay, well, this is that in just dialogue. Yeah. They do almost this dance. And they're what they're talking about, first what they're talking about is they're talking about these other guys that they know that went off to work for themselves. Terry Gra Jerry Graff. Jerry Graff. Mm. Uh, and they, they talk about it like it's a fantasy. And even Alan Arkin's going, I didn't think he was doing that good. And Aaron Ed Harris is going, well, fuck yeah, he is. He's doing incredible. And it's like it's because it's on the other side of the pasture. It's like yeah. it seems like this beautiful life, you know, well, that he's making all this money. Once again, um, Ed Harris is trying to sell Alan Arkin on yeah, rob, yeah. robbing the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and that's, yeah, so that's what he gets to is he says, somebody needs to steal those Glengarry leads and sell them to Jerry Graff. And we could take the money. And then that's where it gets into the second dance that they're doing, where they go through those great pieces of dialogue where he's saying, well, now, are we, are we, are we talking about this, or are we just talking about this? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I mean, we're just talking about it. He's like, but are we talking about it, or are we speaking about it? And he's like, I mean, we're not even talking about it. But, I mean, it's mammoth. That's what yeah, it is. It's it is. And it, it is this dance. I mean, it is... It is uh, Dialogue-wise, stunts. It's all you know? fast talking the whole movie, pretty much, and it's all about leads, leads, leads. You hear that probably a hundred times, right? Now, you also hear "fuck" one hundred thirty-seven times, one hundred thirty-seven, and "shit" fifty times. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not a kids movie. No. But uh, you know, there's so many in incredible uh, 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 elements just watching these guys uh, talking, and uh, you know, like like in the Ed Harris and Alan Arkin where he says. Uh, where they're talking about uh, uh, killing the golden goose, yeah, you know, like like selling these customers shitty real estate, they're never going to come back. Whereas you give them something that they want, they're going to keep coming back. He's so like killing the goose. Cars over fifteen years. Yeah, and and Harris is going. I mean, you, and, and it literally is back and forth like this, where he's like, you know, you, the, you're killing the goose, and he's like, yeah, yeah, killing the killing the goose. And he's like, <laughs> I mean, you got them over here, and they're shaking in their boots, and Arkin goes, yeah, boots, yeah. <laughs> like he's just so spineless that he you just see him dragging him in and dragging him in and dragging him in but yep. it's done so well um you know to get into a little bit of the directing for a minute i think some of the things that are really incredible as far as that goes is that the rain is just this torrential rainfall throughout the throughout the entire movie until the next morning yeah. at the very end of the movie um the rain is a character when we hear the thunder and we, and we see the rain at different times I and think, it, it uh, seems to be placed so well the lighting as well i thought was really cool yeah the big blues on their faces yeah. or reds, the reds from the, the neon restaurant. lights mm -hmm. um also the train the train is a real character in it yep. they have this they have this uh um Above ground train that's running right by the building. They don't really say where it is. I mean, it, it kind of looks like New York City or Chicago or yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, as far as some of the directing stuff too, uh, you know, I really thought that the the camera has a lot of different personalities throughout the movie. Where uh, sometimes it, it it hangs it hangs way back, and you see these guys, and they'll they might be kind of closer up in frame, but then they'll walk all the way to the back of the bar and the camera won't move. It'll stay in the same spot. Yep. And it's because it's like that part of their conversation is supposed to be more private. Yep. And I thought that was really cool. But then other times, like when uh, uh, Pacino's talking to, um, oh, what's the, what's the actor's name that, uh, that he's, that he's talking, Jonathan Price. Um, it's, it's these really rich close-ups of both their faces because you're... Al Pacino, the guy he's talking mm -hmm, to? Jonathan Price, like where the two of them are talking in the, in the restaurant and you're getting these warm close-ups looking right at them. Um, so let's see here. Uh, let's let's get to... I guess I guess that's as good of a place as any to get back to Pacino's hard sell on Jonathan Price. Mm -hmm. um, this is the very first time I watched this movie was one of these things where the very first time I saw this scene... I 
that was it for me. It was just like I I am absolutely in love with this movie. I yeah. can't. And it is maybe one of Pacino's best performances ever. It's so the and, and and it's different because in the beginning you see him and he's so reserved mm-hmm. and he he's so uh, like I said almost this this mystic. You know, of, of, of that it's about, it's not about real estate, it's about life. It's about living it the way well, that you want to. The first time I saw this, too, I was way into Pacino at that time, and I didn't really know what the movie was, what it was about. Mm-hmm. I just heard it was cool. And uh, me and my friends popped it in, and we were just like enthralled the whole time. And not only by Pacino, but I mean, everybody. I mean, yeah. It's not, I mean, he does an incredible job. Well, Everyone I think, does. and I think, uh, you know, uh, specifically with Pacino, you don't see him that subdued very often as mm-hmm. he is with this character, but only in the beginning. And then it isn't until later that you find out it's all a fucking act. Oh yeah, and and none of it's real. And and he, you know, he was putting on this whole thing to to. I mean, he really is seducing Jonathan Price's character, and not just with nice words and the offer of money, but you get this impression that he thinks that maybe this guy's a closeted homosexual, <laughs> and so he's he's kind of drawing him out with these things of like. You know, you got to do what you got to do in life, and you know, your wife is your partner. Uh, she is your best friend. She is your lover. But these things are that. yours, yeah. and you need to do what's right for you. And she doesn't need to know about some of these things. They are only for you. <laughs> and where he talks about like, so you want to fuck little kids? Go fuck little kids. Is it right? If do you think that it's wrong? Do you think you will burn in hell? Then maybe you will. And he does this whole thing, and there's it's all this idea of so be it, you know. And, and he says, uh, uh, abs- is there an absolute morality? Maybe, maybe not. A hell exists on earth? Yes, but I refuse to live in it. Yep. And that kind of ideology is so amazing. And he, he, he does really prey on, on, on these weaknesses of this guy. And, and it, it's this really slow seduction where eventually, once he does take out the pamphlet to start talking about the real estate, yep. it's, been, it's, it's been so gentle that the guy totally totally goes for it oh, that's you know and it's 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 phenomenal and so we get that then we get back to sorry i know i'm, I'm sure it's picking it up on the on the uh, microphone i keep moving this paper around but i was sort of making notes strangely um so let's see uh at, okay one the one last thing that really happens the night before uh, as the last scene is where Shelly goes to the customer's house pitching the ranch, Rancho Rio oh, thing man, it's so and it's just skin crawlingly awkward it is just the most bad oh my god he like comes in and he's just like being so like well shucks you yeah. know and the guy's just not impressed and he's like look my wife signed one of those fucking forms three years ago without my knowledge yep. and we've been visited by you assholes ever since I need you to leave well, well then know? he gets to the point where he's like oh well I'll go. We'll drive. Take yeah, I'll tell you what. Out. I'm we'll, going to stop by the office and we'll get a secondary file for your relatives. And yeah. he's like, "No, like, <laughs> get like leave." Oh, you know, and so it is. Terrible. Oh my god! So uh, you never want to walk in the gap again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so uh, that's pretty much uh, the. Uh, I guess at the very end, the last thing we see is that uh, uh, Ed Harris's character wants Alan Arkin's character to steal these leads. Mm-hmm. And he says, you need to do it. And there's that the great part where he says, uh, well, if you don't do it, the fact that we've had this conversation uh, makes you an accessory after, you know, to the to the fact. And he's like, why are you doing this to me? And he's like, why Why would I be guilty? And he just shrugs and he's like, because you listened. Yep. I just thought that was oh, so great. Oh, God. The last thing we actually see before the next morning is Jack Lemmon in the, in the uh, phone booth 
Um, and it appears that someone might he might be able to go to somebody's house. And that's right. That's right. The Nyborgs. Yep. The Nyborgs house. So then we go next morning. Somebody broke in to the office. Uh, the cops are there. You see Roma come in, and and all of a sudden you get his real personality right then. Yep. And he's just coming in, and he's like, "Put it up on the board." And he's like, "What? What the hell's going on here? What the fuck is happening?" Yep. And he's yelling at the cops. He's yelling at Kevin Spacey's character. He's yelling at everybody, and he's just he's he's like a peacock with the feathers all the way out. I mean, <laughs> he is just so over the top, yep. so proud. Um, he wants to know if James Link's file went downtown. James Link is is Jonathan Price's character. Um, if the if the file went downtown and it got filed, that means the check got cashed and his money's good, and that puts him over the top, and that gets him the El Dorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. That's when he goes on that great rant about the about Patel. Yeah. When he gets his new when he gets his new leads because somebody stole the Glen the Glen Gary leads. They're gone now. Um, I think Kevin Spacey is kind of a weasel in this movie. Total yes man, you know, yeah. following directions, but he truly gets treated like shit. He does, but I think that he has uh, he has his comeuppance at the end that I, I really oh, yeah. like. Um, <laughs> who would you say out of out of all the guys, if there is any, who is the good guy? Who would you say the good guy is? Is there a good guy? I think George. I think Alan Arkin's character is probably. He's a the, nice guy. I don't know. I think he's, he's probably the, the as closest far as, thing. The closest thing because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to commit a crime, and he doesn't. You know, he doesn't get angry the way those other guys get angry. And he, I mean, he's kind of a dope, but I think he's probably. You know, I mean, I, you get it with everybody. I mean, there is even a while there where you think that Jack Lemmon's character is this nice guy, but even he is manipulative and has this streak to him and does this well, stuff in it. And the, the scenes between Lemon and Spacey are some of the, my favorite ones. The oh, movie, yeah. Because he is truly, like, just dragging him along and just yeah. doing everything possible. And he's mm-hmm. just, he just knows what buttons to hit. And, yep. And it's completely true. I don't know. Um, so let's see. Let's let let's get back. Let's get back to this. Uh, now we have uh, Shelley comes in, and he is claiming. He says, "I closed the Nyborg deal. I sold eight units. It was how how much money? It was like eighty two thousand. Eighty two thousand dollars. I closed it. Put it up on the board. I'm over the top. Uh, Mountain View. You know, I sold them all. And he's in a really good mood." <clears throat> Shelley starts to tell Roma his his war story about the night before, talking about eating crumb cake and you know that that they weren't going to sign, and then he got him to sign, and that they just wilted all at once, and that they signed it and all this stuff. And while they're in the middle of it, you know the cops have been interviewing all these different uh, uh, salesmen there, and Ed Harris's character comes out, and he's just pissed, and he starts ranting and just going off, and that's that's when. Uh, you know, Roma says, "Hey, what are you doing? I'm trying to listen to Shelley's story." You know, it's the machine. He sold. He sold eight units to the Nyborgs, and that's that's when Ed Harris, you know, fuck the machine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fuck you, blah blah blah. And he's like, "Fuck me, fuck the machine." And they start getting into it back and forth, and then it's really interesting because you get this sense of like we're only seeing this uh, two hours of these guys' lives, and so you know, like you were asking me before, who do you think the nice guy is? Who do you think the bad guy is? You know, Ed Harris's rant that he goes on right there, I think, is really telling in that what we see right now isn't the way things always are. You know, Richard Roma's character 
you know, his sales are really up. But obviously, Shelley's used to be. And yeah. he, Shelley doesn't act the way that he would now if he was a top salesman and it was 10 years ago. And Ed Harris is like, you think you're the, you think you're the big fucking dog around here because your sales are up? You have the fucking memory of a fly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you don't remember shit. Like, what about when I was top on the board? Like, blah, blah, blah. And they just get into it. And then, you know, Ed Harris is just like screaming and he walks out, oh. you know? Why would anyone want that career? I have no <laughs> idea, man. I mean, it is. The desperation is just, it's palpable. If you're thinking about becoming a salesman, watch this movie first. And yeah, it gets uh, referenced in movies like Boiler Room talks about it. Uh, um, Wall Street. Wall Street talks mm-hmm. about it. So, uh, you know. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, I don't know, there, there's, you know, all, all of these different uh, uh, characters and, and their motivations and what they're going through is just is just amazing. And, uh, you know, Jack Lemmon at this point, Shelley's, Shelley's feeling really good about himself. And he starts really busting Kevin Spacey's balls, yeah. you know, like you're just a kid, like you don't know, you don't know about the real world, like, you know, I, I don't know whose cousin you are, but when I find out, your ass is fucking fired, you know, and all this yeah. stuff. Uh, and then slip, James Link, James Link comes in. Oh, that's right. Jonathan Price, James Link comes in, and what while he's coming in, uh, Jack Lemmon and Al Pacino are talking, and he goes, and and Al and and Al Pacino's like, all right. Here's your name. You're a big executive. You work for Visa. Uh, I just sold you such and such. And he's like, okay. And they sit down, and Jack Lemon's pretending to be the the uh, customer. And uh, you know, it's like, oh, I don't have time. I got to get him on a plane. Like we're going to avoid you know, anything yeah. Possible. So like, oh, we got to go to the airport right now. I'm getting on a plane with him. We're him going showing out of up town. is nothing but bad news. Yeah, if he's showing up the next morning, it means some shit happened. And. Uh, it's this total charade, and it's done so well and so slimy. And then uh, we find out that James Link has three days to renege on the deal. So he has three days from the time that he signed the check to be able to uh, say that he doesn't he doesn't want this piece of estate, and he can get it, and he can get his money back. And his wife is basically saying. You know, she's already called somebody from the State Department and like they you know, to get involved in it and he's saying and Pacino's character is saying, Well, I'll be back on Monday. We can talk Monday. And he's like, It's too late, it's four days. And he's like, Look, there's some stuff I wanted to go over with you anyway. I, I haven't you know, and this is where he sits him down and this is where it really gets into that weird stuff of like, Your wife doesn't know I have to know about everything that you do and he's like, you know and he's like, It's just about the deal and he's like, No, fuck the deal. The deal's the deal's gone. Like, we don't have to do the deal if you don't want to. I just want to know what's going on with you. <laughs> and it gets weird, you know what I mean? There's yeah. definitely this seduction happening again. And then, and, and right at this time, this is when they they now, they grab Shelly and take him in to be interviewed by the cops. So, so you now want to know what's there. going on in that Yeah, room you too. want to know what's <laughs> going on in the room. Who stole... Who stole the Glengarry Leeds? You still don't know what's or going who's on. Who's water? Yeah, or like, has somebody confessed to it? Like, what's happening? Being a prick to him, because mm-hmm. so, they all come out just completely. Oh yeah, violent. every one of them comes out <laughs> so angry, and so he's talking with James Lincoln. He's saying, "Look, I, I still have to go, you know, but let's go across the street. Let's get a drink. Let's smooth this out. Your deal hasn't gone downtown. The cash has not been checked. We are totally fine, you know. <laughs> we will talk about it Monday. Let's go have a drink." And in walks. Kevin Spacey, and he says, you know, where are you going to Romy? He's like, you need to come in here next, and 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 all of a sudden, Link sort of notices that there's these cops here and all this, and he goes, well, what what happened here? And he's like, nothing, I, I don't know, and he's, and, and then fucking Spacey just opens his mouth, he's like, oh, well, we had a robbery, and he's like, you, you had a robbery? And he goes, yeah, uh, 
and he's like, come on, and he's like, this is this is Mr. James Link, we're going to go down and have a drink, and he's like, Spacey says, oh, Link, oh, don't worry about it, your, your file's fine, I, I took it downtown this morning, and you just see Pacino's face, he's just shaking his head like, what the fuck are you doing, yeah. what the fuck are you doing, and he goes, and he turns around, he's like, you cashed the check, you cashed my check, yeah. and he's like, I, I didn't, I did not know about that. That's what he says to him, and he's like, oh my god. And then it's the saddest fucking thing in the world, because Jonathan Price apologizes to him. I'm sorry, I I let you down. I'm so sorry, I I screwed this up. And you're just like, oh my god. So I guess if anybody's the nice guy, he's the nice guy in the movie. And uh, so the entire charade, everything falls apart. He walks out, and Pacino's just standing there, staring at Spacey. And he says... You stupid fucking cunt. <laughs> Whoever told you that you could work with men? You never open your mouth till you know what the shot is, you fucking child. Yeah. And it's just amazing. I mean, he tears him into pieces. Yeah, that's like five minutes. Of it's just five minutes of, of just, yeah, it's completely insane. And so then the cops come in and they ask to talk to Roma and he goes in there. Now you've just got Jack Lemon. And Kevin Spacey. And Lemon digs into Spacey about the situation. And he's just telling him, you know, <clears throat> you 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 know, Roma's completely right. Like, you don't understand how things work around here. I'm going to get your ass handed to you so fucking quick. You will, your goddamn head will spin. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you just, you're just a fucking child. It's just like he said. You never open up your mouth. And you never make something up unless you're sure that it counts. And he turns and he starts walking away. And Kevin Spacey sits there because he's just gotten his ass handed to him by two people. And then he looks at him and he goes... How do you know that I made it up? <laughs> you know, like, how did how did you know that? Whoops. And he he ends up basically telling him, you're the one who stole the fucking leads. It's not anybody else. You're the one that broke in here. He's like, what did you do with them? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, tell me what you did with them, you know? He's like, I'm going in there right now. And so he goes to go in there, and what does he say? I sold him to... Uh, uh, he sold him to uh, Jerry uh, Graff. Jerry Graff. Mm-hmm. He's like, I sold him to Jerry Graff. And that he's the one that was manipulated by Ed Harris. So, yeah. George, see, George, I mean, he, he ended up standing up to him, you know? That's he, true. At the end of it, he wasn't willing to break into the office. And so, uh, yeah. So, and obviously, so, Ed Harris was talked Jack Lemmon into it the night before. Yeah, and then he gave him, like, he, he took... He took uh, uh, a 70-30 split on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, even though he's so the one that did the shit for it. Um, you know, and then he's like, he, he's telling him, well, look, I'll, I'll, you know, don't turn me in, I'll give you all this money uh, uh, from, from the, the, the huge uh, score that I just got from the Nyborgs. And he's like, the Nyborgs? Are you fucking kidding me? Those people are nuts. Yeah. He's like, try to cash the check. I dare you. <laughs> He's like, they, they do this every six months. They just like talking to salesmen. <laughs> and then I just love this part. And he says, uh, he's like, I'm, and he turns to walk right in there and he just looks at him and Jack Lemmon goes, why? And he's like, because I don't like you. And he goes, but my daughter. And he goes, fuck you. <laughs> and walks in there. And that pretty much is the end of the movie. Yep. I mean, we get, uh, you know, we get that great last little bit of Pacino talking about we are a dying breed. Yep. You know. I learned so much from you kind of thing. I yeah. mean, these guys are seriously selling everything through this whole movie. No matter if it's good or bad, it's their lives, their jobs themselves mostly. You know, they're just like on and fucking... Uh, themselves and even to themselves. Yeah, like where Ed, Ar- exactly. where Ed Harris uh, works himself up into that frenzy 
about the way that he's being talked to, like that he has this integrity. He doesn't have any, though. Yeah. Or uh, how he tells himself the story about Jerry Graff, that he has this amazing life, and that's what you need to do. Get into business for yourself, you know? And it's like, he's never going to. He's already in his, like, late 40s. He's not, he hasn't yet. It's not going to happen. And I think that that is, uh, you know, lots of people have wondered about the name of the movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Glenn Gary are these leads we've been talking about that are the unattainable holy grail and glenn ross was a series of of leads that they had years ago that were just golden also and so it's kind of like the good old days is that backwards or is that yeah the glenn the glenn gary leads are the new ones and the glenn ross ones were the ones from a long time ago definitely a man's movie though (laughs) oh it is definitely well and i think it's just about it 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 shows a lot about about you know sort of like the big wheels of commerce moving and it's like everybody's making money and doing good but there are these these guys that are at the very bottom rung with a lot of the ladder that are just trying to make a go of this. I'd rather work at fucking McDonald's. That's what I was thinking of the the entire movie. I was just looking at Shelley's character and I'm like, just leave. Just leave. Go work at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Just fucking do anything, man. Like this is insane. It is it is just it's one of these movies though that I I just think that uh I I think that it, you don't see movies like this made uh very often. And especially not anymore. And I I think a lot of it has to do with the people's attention span has changed, you know? Like, if somebody isn't at least, you know... It's like, a movie like this could be the exact exact same as it is now, but somebody would at least have to be murdered. Or some tits and ass that have to be in there somewhere. Well, you know, but I, I, mean, I, I agree with that flippancy, <laughs> but I'm just saying, realistically, it would at least have to be that somebody was murdered. Even if it didn't show it graphically, just the, that someone died to make you go, oh, yeah, it's cool, this guy gets killed. No, it's it's a car cr- wreck. Incredible movie. No, it really is. And I I, I, I definitely, it's 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 one of my favorites. Um, is okay. there anything else that, that you wanted to add before we went to a break? No, let's go to the break. God, it's so hot in here, man. I know. Uh, all right, we're going to listen to a song from Cub Country called Hit the Roof and <clears throat> whoa sorry about that and right. yeah what was that Huberty no it's the fucking Crypt Keeper oh. kitties <laughs> alright we'll be right back kitties oh, there that's better alright we'll be right back there was a time when you were mine I thought you were mine There was a time And we would go Out in the sunshine Talk on Get the time 
Okay, we are back. I think we have a few things to address before we get into our top fives. I think we should acknowledge a few things. The uh, sad, untimely death of your yeah your, your puppy dog. Yeah, I had to put a I had to put one of my dogs to sleep uh, last week. It's like losing a family member. It is, man. It really sucked. It's I. For people who've been listening to this podcast this long, it was the yappy dog. You could always hear in the background going, <laughs> little little Mr. Fisher. So oh, he's cute. It's yeah, so sad. It was a real bummer. So, um, and then I have something to uh, apologize for from last <laughs> week. Um, I said that the scene uh, where Emilio Estevez gets. Uh, Squashed and, and in I was the like, head, and I was, in, by, I was just like, "Are you sure about this?" And right, like, and I was. It's not like I'm making shit up because I don't have the internet. Well, <laughs> and I realized that what I have to apologize for is that, uh, you know, that scene didn't happen in in sneakers because I was thinking of the version of sneakers that I have inside of my head. See, in my head, I have a treasure trove of movies in which I put all of my favorite scenes into other movies. Oh, okay. So actually, <laughs> all of those movies that I have Run together. in my head... No, all the movies that I have in my head <clears throat> contain both the scene where Milo Estevez gets it in the head in an elevator, and they also all contain the scene where Brad Pitt gets hit by the car in Meet Joe Black, <laughs> because those are two of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so if, if there's a movie like, you know, Sneakers is a good movie, but it's just like, yeah, I would have had that scene in it. <laughs> you know, I also, I mean... And it's I, actually Mission Impossible. We it was a Mission that. Impossible. But Mission Impossible is a shitty movie, and it so is. instead I just put that in there. Brian De Palma. Yeah. And so, you know, there's lots of versions of movies I have like that in my head. Well, there's one that I have in my head of uh, Stand By Me, but it's all of those guys now. So they're all 38, but the movie's exactly the same. <laughs> and Will Wheaton is wearing the Ensign Wesley Crusher outfit. Nice, I yeah. hope so. He yeah. better be. <laughs> but they're all, like, old. Well, another thing, and I don't know if you know this or not since you don't have the internet, but another horrible passing of a great, yeah. great comedian. Yeah, George Carlin. George Carlin. I think Boy, we should acknowledge that. That needs to be acknowledged. Fuck. I just found that out today, actually. I, oh, really? Yeah. I, I found it out uh, Monday morning. You woke up, it's in, on, uh, in the newspaper, you're just like, oh. oh. And then yeah. I watched a few tributes on YouTube today, and I was close to getting teary out. Yeah. Like, God damn it, what a loss. What, but what a tough little fucker. That was his fourth heart attack. Yeah, he's been <laughs> finally like... 50 years he's been in the biz. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, 71 years old, man. 71 years of just treating and his body like shit. I could only well, be so lucky. Well, and he'd been sober for, I think, close to like 10, 15 years mm -hmm. by now. Yeah. At this point. So, I mean, he cleaned his act up or whatever, but... Man, it's just so tragic. Yeah. He's really not in too many movies. He's in a few. There are little spots like Bill and Ted's <laughs> and, uh, you know, Kevin Smith movies. Dogma, and, yeah. And stuff like that, but uh, fucking just tragic. Yeah, yeah, really so. tragic. So, well, all right, so let's uh, let's let's move on then. You uh, want to do the top yeah, five so play top adaptations? Yeah, you know what? Let's do our top five uh, uh, feeling the ensemble adaptations be a nice long one. of uh, theatrical uh, plays, movies, things like that. Um, so, so basically, uh, because of David, David Mamet's, this used to be a play, now it's a movie. Right. Basically that kind of thing. Um, do you want to, why don't you start with your number five? Okay. Uh, my number five is Little Shop of Horrors by Frank Oz. Yeah, almost made it on my list. 1986, such a great one. Steve Martin, uh... Rick Moranis, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's the first one I thought of when I thought of, feed me, oh, you know, man. it's, so <laughs> it's great. classic and it's actually, uh, you know, I'm not crazy about musicals, but uh, 
but it's actually pretty good. It's know? a great one. No, I love I love that, and so, and it's and I even know you mentioned it before. So yeah, well, and it's 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 really cool too because the even the movie version of it, they they built sets for everything. Mm-hmm. Everything's on sets. You can and totally tell that uh, that cute little song that she sings about the two of them being married will never be the same for me after watching the Family Guy where the <laughs> the, the child. The child molester, the creepy old guy, sings that song yeah. about him and Chris like having babies, and oh my god, she, she's kind of rough looking. I think she's way rough looking. Okay, that's yeah, that's me. Right. No, no, no. She looks no. She looks like Suddenly a Yeah, and one of the three. You know, there's the three. That was good, by the way. That was actually pretty good. One of the uh, one of the. Uh, Three backup singing girls. Oh yeah, is uh, uh, Martin Lawrence's girlfriend on, on the TV show Martin. Yeah, sad we know this. Yeah, we do. <laughs> hey man, you know. Um, okay, my number five <laughs> is the movie Bug by William Friedkin. Oh, that was a play. And that was originally no a shit. play. Yeah, and uh, I should have gone down and looked on my DVD to see who who wrote the play. I can't I can't remember who it is. But oh, that's cool. Anybody who is in need of a horror movie that is going to truly, truly disturb them, uh, watch Bug, because it I, is... That's the reason I haven't watched Bug, because, I, I mean, I, the whole uh, thought of of bugs crawling in my skin just freaks me well, out. Just and, thinking about it. I and to be fair, it, it's, it. it's a, uh, it's a psychological it. thriller, and there aren't any bugs. Uh-huh. That's what makes it so fucking mm-hmm. scary, is you're basically watching one completely insane person take another weaker person who's had a really fucked up life and drag them into their insanity over the course of two hours. The entire movie takes place inside a hotel room and actually the guy who's the main, uh, so it's, um, uh, uh, Ashley Judd. Judd, So um, hot. Ashley, and and in this movie she's not at all. She actually does kind of a Charlize Theron monster kind of thing. She gains a bunch of weight and looks really gross. Um, and uh, Harry Connick Jr.'s in it, and then the other guy, and I can't remember his name, uh, but he was in the the actual play theatrical version of Bug, and when they made the movie of it, he plays himself, he plays the same character in this, and he's fucking incredible. I didn't even know he that was a play. Frighteningly good. That's so awesome. it's it's good it's pick. a great one, but uh, it's one I've always just I want to see, but I'm just like I don't and know if I'm in the what? mood for it. It redeems Friedkin from doing Jade, and. Uh, What's that one? Hunted. Uh, hunted. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all right. So that's my number five. Um, number four. My number four is On Golden Pond, the oh, 1981 yeah. movie with uh, Jane and Henry Fonda, Catherine Hepburn. Just as, I mean, it's really, there's maybe like five or six people in the whole movie, and it's them taking the uh, trip out to the cabin or whatever. But yeah. as far as uh, screenwriting goes, this was the movie that was taught in screenwriting classes. Right, the right. craft of, uh, of how it should be wrought. Uh, be written right, right, and I, and it always stuck with me, and I always thought God, I haven't it was really seen good. that movie in forever. I'd love to see it's it. It's a great movie. Yeah, that, the acting is incredible. So. Um, my number four, my dinner with Andre. Oh, um, nice. Written by Andre Gregor and Wallace Shawn, and then acted by both Andre Gregor playing himself and Wallace Shawn playing himself. Wallace Shawn, for those of you who don't know, is the inconceivable guy from oh, okay. uh, Princess Bride. He, he directed it? He wrote it. Oh, okay. They, they're both, uh, he's actually a, a playwright. Um, and Andre Gregor is a I playwright love that guy. also. Yeah, he's amazing. But, you know, uh, it is literally the title of the movie is All That It Is. Um, it's something that actually happened. The two guys used to be friends, uh, lost touch for years, and would run into each other every once in a while. 
and Wallace Shawn, you know, has an apartment in Manhattan, just trying to make ends meet for these plays. That's why he does bit parts in these movies as these character, mm -hmm. as as a character actor. And Andre Greger, you know, traveled the world and you know, like you know, climbed up uh, uh, into the mountains and meditated with the Tibetan monks and like did these weird sprawling. Uh, you know, uh, metaphysical acting classes and out in the woods with people that didn't even speak the la same language as him. Mm. And they had these two totally different lives, but they're friends, and they ended up getting uh, together for dinner one night, uh, just randomly after not seeing each other for 15 years, and had this incredible conversation about what is art and how do you find it and all these things. And there's great parts where, like, Andre Gregor goes off on these amazing stories for so long, like just talking about this stuff that you just sit and watch them and you're fixated with it. And all they're doing is just talking. Yeah, and then you have Wallace Shawn turning around and going, "Yeah, but I mean, isn't me almost isn't me getting my gas shut off and having to sleep under five more blankets because I'm trying to make ends meet and trying to get a damn paycheck? Isn't that just as much of a life experience as climbing Everest? Because I think it is, yeah. and it's just really cool. And it goes back huh. and forth. And they after they got together and had this conversation. Uh, Andre Gregor called uh, Wallace Shawn about a week later and said, I keep thinking about that dinner that we had and that conversation that we That's had. Cool. And I think we need to sit down and go through it and piece apart the conversation and write a screenplay about it. And so then they made it into a play and they acted it. And it's literally two guys sitting at a table. The waiter comes up every once in a while and they're just talking for like hmm. two, two hours of just them talking. And it's fucking riveting. And, wow. the, and then the movie version is the same thing. They do it again. And where the movie is literally just different camera angles, but it's just the entire thing is pretty much, you know, there's wow. one establishing shot of a subway. Other than that, it all takes place at this table with the two of them talking. And it's, but you, you know, it happens all the time when it would, when it's on in the room, I stop what I'm doing and sit down. Cause I, cause I can't, it's just magnetic that way. So, it, but it, you know, sort of how we talked about Glengarry Glen Ross of they don't make movies like that, in, you know, very often. This is one of those kinds of movies where it's just talking. Wow, you sold me. I'm a, that yeah, sounds it's awesome. it's great. I love I it. Can't so, I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, that's my number four. My number three is A Streetcar Named Desire. Oh yeah. So um, it's one that I have actually seen in theater quite a few times, and uh, the Marlon Brando character obviously captures and he does an incredible i mean this oh, is yeah. 1951 mm -hmm. and it's the same director who did on the waterfront and east of eden um which are both equally as awesome but uh I d just that whole his whole character is incredible and i remember <laughs> there's a uh an onion article like where they went back and pretended that it was like uh, like that the onion had been around since like the 1800s or whatever uh -huh. and in the night and in the 1951 issue like a little thing down in the blurb says uh um, President of the United States orders Marlon Brando to gain more weight after watching Streetcar Named Desire and worried about <laughs> riots in the street due, due, due to his unbridled sexuality. <laughs> and it's true, though. You watch the movie and you're like, yeah, no wonder people freaked out. Like, it's he, he just had this, was able to exude this, like, insanely intense, like, like uh, uh, magnetism, this, like, sure. force, you know? What he's happened? A, he's a force of nature. <laughs> He's an unbridled force. Of he was answer. a hunky man. He was a hunky and man. Then he was a fat, gross godfather. Even hunkier, <laughs> chunky, maybe. chunkier. Um, yeah. that, number three for you, uh, Amadeus. That is my number two. Actually. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, let's just talk about it for a minute. You know, uh, Milos Forman. Milos Forman. Um, you know, it, it's really so awesome. 
it's just it's you know god man i i'll tell you what playing music as as long as i have and having to work so fucking hard at it just to like learn how to play the guitar and learn how to write a song i've always felt like salieri because yeah. i was because then i like i know these people that just like you know they they fuck around and like kind of don't have a job and like you know they're always and just they're like amazing they're always it. wanting <laughs> to just like they're always wanting to like watch movies and play video games and shit and then they're just like oh yeah i started a new band and i go out and see it and i'm like Damn you! Like, you know, like, <laughs> like. Well, I love, yeah, because he's such a prick in that movie. I know, but he's, but at the same time, he has this divinity about him where he talks yeah, exactly. about like. There's that amazing scene, and and it's uh, I uh, it F. Murray time. Abraham, you yeah. know, and and it's when he's older he's and good. he's tried to cut his throat and he's wearing that weird bandage, yep. and he's talking to the priest and he said, "Why would God give me the love? Give me, give me the love and desire of music." And then not not let me be able to perform it as well as this monkey. Yep. You know, <laughs> no, you, love you that. put you put the, the, the <laughs> voice of God into this this disgusting violent beast, love that you know? The guy that he just despises the most but he's like sitting in the back of the theater hiding just to see the theater because it's just to yeah. see the place. And he's, it's and he's so crying, good. you know. Yeah. It's just well and then all the parts were like, you know, he he tries to orchestrate his death by and he wears the mask that his father wore to the to the costume That's ball. Right. And then and, and here's the cool thing about you thinking about it being a play, is you think about that there are sections and I love I love this idea and it's so it's so uh uh sort of uh um uh, I don't. It, it, it's sort of like a Michelle Gondry-ish kind of. I mean, it's prior to that, but that's the only way I can describe it. Where there, you would be in the play, watching the play of Amadeus, and then on the stage you have characters watching the opera. Mm -hmm. So there's the stage within the stage yeah. of the things that are going on. There's something about those kinds of elements that I just think, God, that would have been so cool it's like to see it as a play. Kind of, where yeah, you're yeah, watching yeah. the movie of the, of the screenplay he's writing, writing of, of the movie. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. That's awesome. um, do you want to do your next one since I stole one of yours? Um, yeah, what's well, my? I only have one left, but I can do. Oh, it. I thought you had two left because I took no. your. Oh no, you went first, huh? Mm -hmm, yeah. Okay, I'll do my number two, and then we'll do our ones. Okay. Um, don't steal my number one. I don't think I will. My number two is Scotland, PA. Oh, is that a play? That's right. I saw that. Well, Scotland, PA. Scotland, PA. Uh, is a modern day adaptation oh, using fast right. using the fast foods the fast food uh, industry as a retelling. Of Macbeth, Macbeth, yep, and uh, has Christopher Walken in it, and uh, who's the who's who's plays Lady Macbeth? Uh, it's it's uh, oh, it's a girl. She's an ER. I can't remember. She wasn't the one hot. that was in News Radio, right? Yeah, yeah okay, that's who I thought it was. And then I can't really remember. Hot. I can't remember the other kid uh, that actually plays Macbeth. I saw um, that movie at um, at Sundance, and um, that was kind of the same year of Donnie Darko. Memento. Right, right. And that was one of those that stood out. I was like, God, he is part, so great. The part where he falls in the fryer. Oh, I know. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's so many great things about this movie, and, you know, just, the, just, and, I mean, this is a very obvious trick, but there's so many more nuanced, funny things about it, but, uh, you know, one of the, the, the main, more obvious tricks is that, you know, he, he is Macbeth, and she is Lady Macbeth, yeah. um, but instead of it being a kingdom where they're going to kill the king and take over it, uh, they work at a fast food joint, yeah. and they kill the owner, and so they take over, and they're the first ones to discover uh, having a drive through so they start getting all this business, but the place is called Macbeth's, and they have the McDonald's sign. So they have awesome. the McDonald M, and then Christopher Walken plays the investigator, and that's sort of the one place where it loses 
uh, the Macbeth story is that you know there isn't there in the original play there wasn't a uh, character and there's nothing like but Camaros and uh, what's the band that plays Bad Company Bad Company yeah 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 well and I love that there is the chorus of witches just like yeah. in Macbeth but instead they're stoners that hang around the store and one of them's Andy Dick yeah and they're just like hey hey man and like That's but but so they're awesome. they're the Oracle I mean it's just it's so fucking clever it the way clever. that it's done. Um, I just I, I love I the. Have you great. seen the cover of the movie case? Yeah, and it has the has the spatula, with the blood dripping, with, yeah, on the it. blood on it. It's awesome. just it's a great movie. I, I suggest anybody who likes uh, Shakespeare to check it out and, know, well, and knows and the, the thing story. Is too, um, Shakespeare and I was there's Shakespeare stuff that I obviously love that I think should be put on here and maybe just clumped into one. Yeah, you know, of like those even, kinds of Even O Brother, you know, you can do that. Um, what, yeah, well, well, with and, the... But, I mean, but as far as even Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, uh, Henry V... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like like you know, like Mel Gibson's Hamlet, I thought, was was a really strong uh, rendition. I mean, it was really I, cool. Or, or the I, one that... Why uh, 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 can't... Uh, Damn it! <laughs> he was married to Emma Thompson. Yeah, I, I can't think of his name. He does he does tons of Shakespeare, um, and he's actually done several movie adaptations of like Much Ado About Nothing. But he did a version of Hamlet. God, why can't I think of his fucking name? Um, he did a version of Hamlet that's like during World War Two. But I think really he, cool. we Titus at least Titus mention uh, him. You know, yeah, uh, obviously because that's a huge, probably the most um, relatable playwright to movie person. Oh yeah. You know, have you mean. seen have you seen Titus, the one with uh Anthony Hopkins? Uh-huh. Oh, I'll lend it to you. Really? It's fucking it's so strange, but it looks it it's an it's I know eye what you're candy. talking about. It's, it is eye candy. I know what you're talking about. I've seen it like passing through the movie uh rental place forever and I'll lend it to you tonight. I mean it's it's I mean you know it was one of Shakespeare's very first plays and it's it's not that great, but man, there's decapitations, there's mutilations, there's cannibalism uh, there's a girl who gets raped and then her hands get cut off and her tongue gets cut off. Like, it's so fucking over the top. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen the play version of it down in, in Cedar City and whew, it was, you need to have a beer after that. It was <laughs> kind of a downer. Yeah. But uh, um, anyway, l- let's go to your number one. Okay, my number one is uh, one of my favorite classic movies of all time. And I think we should do a podcast about it soon, but it's 12 Angry Men. Oh yeah, hey yeah! So, uh, I'm glad that made it on your list. I'm, I am glad. Uh, Sidney Sidney Lumet, you know the guy who did Dog Day Afternoon, mm-hmm. Serpico, um, even that uh, Before the Devil Knows Your Dad, the newer mm-hmm. one. Um, what else did he do? Um, this is the version with George C. Scott, right? Yeah, right. And it's, yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, but it's. I remember the first time I saw it, and I was just like encapsulated the whole time, and it's all. Well, and it has the same kind of thing as Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, where kinda, you, yeah. you, you're you're uh, you're immersed in. Uh, just dialogue, just these people talking, yeah. and and the idea of morality. You know, yeah. they're they're it's yeah, it's a really I haven't I seen would love it to do so a podcast long. on it. It's oh, I really definitely good. think we should. Um, Your number one, Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, okay, um, which you still haven't seen, huh? I don't think so. Fuck, it's good. It's John Malkovich at his peak. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 John John Malkovich and uh, um um. Glenn Close at yeah. just at at their at their peak. I mean, they they are so fucking good. And uh, it was based. It was originally a a seventeen eighty two novel, which is I mean, you know, and some of the some of the dialogue has been was modernized when it was turned into a play in nineteen eighty six, but so much of it, it stayed the same. And when you listen to the dialogue, you're just like. 
wow, shit really hasn't changed that much hmm. since the since the uh, 1800s. Like, it's still, people are just as conniving and mean <laughs> and fucking ruthless. But it is, uh, I just I just think that all the acting in it is superb, just top-notch, and I think that uh, the storyline's really interesting, and even the appearance of fucking Keanu Reeves in it doesn't kill the movie. <laughs> nice. Because he's playing a young kid and he's supposed to be stupid. So you're like, ah, That's that hard for you to say. It's really hard for me to say. That's fucking terribly hard for me to say. Like, right. it just goes to show that, like, when I watched Point Break the other day, and it gets to the very end of the movie where he's in Australia, yeah. and, like, he, he, lets him, he lets him go, yeah, that it goes to show that whoever that guy is that plays the Australian cop, and I say Australian with air quotes, whoever that is, is that bad of an actor that you actually go... Ooh, that was a really bad read for that guy. And he's standing next to Keanu Reeves. And you've just finished watching like two hours of Keanu, right? And yet, he's like, we'll get him when he comes back in. He's not coming back. And I'm like, what the hell? Boy, it was like Levi Lebo doing an accent. <laughs> this is the most bizarre. Anyway, okay. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we will do our top five ensemble cast movies. I'm excited. Um, I am too. Uh, right now, we're going to listen to the song Extra Credit by the band Roper Bullets. And we'll be right back. Just 
Okay. All right. So now we're back. The uh, so now we're gonna do our top five ensemble movies. Now this is. You know, when you start looking at all the ensemble movies there are, there's a lot, and and, and it really kind of depends on what you consider an ensemble movie. Right, and you know, I think that there's kind of two different uh, families for, for these kinds of movies. I think that one of them uh, is definitely more the idea where uh, there's several different storylines going on, mm-hmm. and the movie's following these different storylines equally, and... You know, there isn't, it isn't a Nicolas Cage movie or like a Brad Pitt yeah. movie. It's mm-hmm. that there's all these uh, uh, actors in it, and the movie sort of follows all these different people with their different storylines. And sometimes the actors do scenes together, but sometimes they're just independent of each other. Then the second family of these kinds of movies are ones where all of the actors are are dealing with one story and, yeah. they're, and, they're, and they're interacting with each other through the entire thing. And so. I guess how looking did, at how, mine... How did you do yours, yeah? Uh, really, with mine, I, I, I used those parameters of this isn't Tom Hanks' movie. Mm-hmm. This is all these different people's movie. And so I had a, 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 I just started making lists of, of all these, of all these movies. Lot. And there's tons <laughs> of them. There really are. And so then I, I started... There would be a lot of mentions, honorable mentions. Yeah, and then I started whittling it down to ones that I really thought uh, gave up... Uh, equal time for each actor mm-hmm. and and utilized each one of those actors strengths and there's a couple of them where, that I have on here where all of the actors are really big name actors where each one of them could have carried a movie on their own yeah and so it's even more interesting to have all those people together in sort of one room having so. it be so broad I'm, I'm excited to see what we have but I, the way I did it um, I you know I, I I made a rule this week for myself um, that there's gonna be no no Magnolia, no Pulp Fiction. No, both of those are on my list. No, oh really? <laughs> they are. Well, I just because if anyone's listened to this before, they know those are my favorite movies, and I would right. those are ones you have to have on there. Right. Reservoir Dogs, same thing, you know yeah. that kind of thing. Um, Boogie Nights, just basically P.T. Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, yeah, right, right, right. Um, directed movies, you know. So um, that that was just a rule I made for myself. So I tried to be a little more. Well, creative. I'm glad that you did that. I I I just and, I and I figured they may be on yours, so we would talk about them anyway. Right, right. So. And I and I, I put them on my on my list, but I they're uh, actually we'll go ahead and start. Uh, I'll start with my number five, which is Pulp Fiction. Great, um, best movie and, of all time. Well, I would put it in my top three. Okay, um, I love the movie. I I really do, and I think that you know, like I said, it's one of these ones where any. Any actor in that, any one of the main actors in that movie could carry the movie on their sure. own. Um, but I think that each, that it does a really good job of following several different storylines and the same characters cropping up in each and every one of them. Yeah. So that there, there are, there, you know, you, you, each one does get equal amount of screen time even with each other. When I first saw this too, one of the things that blew me away about it was the structure and how they did intertwine each other's lives. And some of them, some of the characters don't really intertwine, but the ones, the main ones do, and in a really cool way. And oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and I, and I, I think that, uh, you know, talking about the idea of ensemble cast movies also, you know, you, you, you can't just have a bunch of different kinds of characters in a room together. I mean, the way that each one of these characters is constructed has to be has to be able to interact with the other character in a really interesting way so that, you know, and Pulp Fiction does a great job of that where, 
it lets you uh, figure out who Samuel Jackson's character is. It lets you figure mm-hmm. out who John Travolta's character is, um, who Tim Roth's character is, and, and who John Travolta or, or uh, and who uh, uh, Bruce Willis's character is. Um, let alone uh, 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 um, Uma Thurman and and and, and Ving Rhames and some of these other characters. Yeah. And it lets you understand these things about them already. And then it starts putting them in these rooms together, and it's it is almost like an like a uh, an uh, an acting class kind of exercise of like okay if you have person A and person B and they're two completely different kinds of people, then you put them in a room together. How are they going to react with one another? And I just I, I found that I found that really really funny and and, and continually entertaining throughout it, regardless oh. of the plot. Yeah, you know, just the characters themselves are so fascinating, well, and that, I think he, that's he's got such character driven movies. You know, mm-hmm, so, definitely, I mean, so. dialogue driven. Well, oh yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, that's one of my all-time favorites. So all right, I would we'll... love to do that as a podcast. Oh, I'm definitely. sure we will. It'll come. It'll yeah. crop up. Uh, why don't you go ahead and do your number five? My number five is the movie Diner by Barry Levinson. Oh yeah. Um, the uh, 1982, and unfortunately, this is the oldest movie I have on here, but it's still. Uh, but you got Steve Gutenberg, Daniel Stern, Mickey Rourke, Kevin Bacon, Tim Daly, Paul Reiser, Ellen Barkin. Mm-hmm. Lots of like heavy hitters in the very early uh, in their career. And mm-hmm. you know, I guess if you want to say Gutenberg is a heavy hitter, but I mean, <laughs> hey, you three know men I mean. and a baby. But I mean, it's kind of the same thing as Outsiders. You know, yeah. where there's lots of people at the beginning of the movie doing a really cool movie all together. Right. And Diner, especially, what really clicked with me, it, it, not only the fact that it's Barry Levinson's first movie. You could tell he was just doing it because he's that guy in that movie right. who has the conversations. And one of the best scenes ever is when Daniel Stern is with his wife and he's talking, he's screaming at her because she put the jazz seven inch in the wrong place in alphabetical order. And right. And they fight. And I'm just like, <laughs> you, you, you connect, uh, at least me, as far as being a, you know, a dumb white kid who alphabetizes his music. Um, you know, I, 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 um, you know, I just connect with that person. I totally understand right. his thought process. Right, and right. The whole movie is shit like that, and them quizzing each other on what songs are what and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's this totally underrated movie that gets looked over, and I totally love it. Oh, that's great. a great choice. So, I, I haven't, I haven't even thought about that movie in years. And that's another thing I was going to say too is that I, I realize that there are lots of of, of really uh, great ensemble movies that tons. are older. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I've had a as we said earlier, my dog situation, I'll have a really fucked up week, and I, you know, kind of, the last three days, went through just my movies, because my internet's down again, and <laughs> it was just like, alright, yeah. <laughs> I gotta pick out the good ones, I think I have a good list, but, uh, my number four is uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Great, yeah. And, I was hoping Wes uh, Anderson would You know, well, and the thing is, is that it's really, uh, out of all of his movies, it's more the ensemble cast, That's, that's you know? exactly what I was just gonna um, say, yeah. And and once again, I mean, you you have just, just to give you you know a, a good example of of uh, that sort of ensemble uh, feel is that you know Ben Stiller is in this, and he is not the main guy or the wacky guy or any, yeah. any, any of this. I mean, he's he's plays this really subdued character who his character is more about setting setting tone and driving parts of the story than mm-hmm. it is being like the this star vehicle for him or for any of them. I mean any one of the people in it. I mean, you know, Bill Murray or, or uh Angelica Houston or Danny Glover. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean uh, everyone in it is so great and it's it's such a funny and interesting story and totally. just you know, like we've talked about before, I mean Wes Anderson's one of these guys where his uh 
his movies exist in their own separate universe mm-hmm. where like all these books have been written and these records have been made yeah. and you know uh, these people are famous and and uh, it's just it's really it's it, it's really fascinating and i think that it's it's definitely one of those ones that makes you every once in a while movies come along that you it, for somebody like uh Danny Glover or even Gene Hackman that you know you think that you know what kind of people they are because of all the kinds of because of the kinds of movies that they make and then you see a movie like Royal Tenenbaums and you're like this is so out of left field for you but it's so cool like and it makes you think it fits, like though. it does it definitely fits but it just makes you think that the the actor themselves must be a pretty cool person to be like yeah, I'll totally be in that movie, and I'm not going to ham ham it up and steal scenes. I'm just going to do my part and do a really good job, you know? That makes me think of the extras episode where Ben Stiller's on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've kissed Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Which Ricky one are you, Gervais, Starsky you. or Hutch? Is that supposed to be funny? You tell me you were in the movie. <laughs> great. Uh, why don't you go uh, ahead Ricky with Gervais. Yours? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a great one. One of my favorite movies, especially ensemble movies. And there's really not a lot of, like big name people in it but when it, you when you say ensemble movie you think of this but it's uh dazed and confused richard oh like, wow richard yeah so, i man, that movie's fucking great 1993 yeah. um who's in it Mi- mila to- uh, uh adam Tovovich? i don't think that's right i wrote that down jovovich jovovich okay my t looks like a j <laughs> or the other way around adam goldberg matthew mcconaughey ben affleck joey lauren adams you know, no, nobody and I don't think huge. I don't think that Matthew McConaughey or uh, Affleck. Uh, Ben Affleck were acting. <laughs> I think that I think I think Linkletter just said, "Well, what were you like in high school?" Well, that makes, and they did it. That makes me want to hang out with Matthew McConaughey. Then, well, he actually <laughs> I read in an interview with him just a couple of years ago, and they said, "What was your, your favorite role you ever played?" And it was in Dazed and Confused. He's like, and he said movie. that it wasn't him, but it was a guy that he knew that was like. Had graduated while they were yeah. still in high school, and they he kept hanging around so like great. in his Camaro. That was one of his first movies. Who else yeah. is in Parker Posey's? Parker in it? Posey's in it. Uh, it's such a good movie. Yeah, it really is, and man. it's so funny. And it's just like the party movie with guy with like you know in the seventies. Oh yeah, so it's great. I love that movie. No, it's definitely a great one. Um, let's see, my number three is Magnolia. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and and we we've talked about it before, so we we don't need to get too in depth of it. But you know. Uh, Magnolia is is uh, sort of, in my opinion, the opposite of a movie like Pulp Fiction, yep, where totally. it, Pulp Fiction is really about the characters, and then what occurs is sort of incidental to, 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 to them. And Magnolia is sort of the opposite, where the stories are, are what is driving these characters into these different places. Them, yeah. You know, to think that this is a movie that has uh, Tom Cruise in it, and he's getting as much screen time as... Is Jason Robards. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's not, you know, one one isn't getting more than the other, and, and, and they're, uh, the characters are really interesting, and some of them are really sympathetic, and others of them are just... Pricks. Total pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's uh, I know some people out there that listen to this podcast don't like Magnolia, but whatever. Really? Fuck them. Yeah. They're crazy. I agree, man, I, I like it. Um... And it, I think as far as ensemble movies, it's worth noting that, I mean, it has one of the, uh, for a movie that isn't a musical, I think it has the scene where they all sing the Amy Mann song oh, is yeah. one of those things that, like, I've fucking never seen in a movie before, yeah. you know? And, and it really suddenly, even though so many of the characters in it are barely linked to one another, it 
it encompasses all of their emotion together in this one song. Yeah, it's not, really cool. That's one, like you said, where it is more of the stories, and not everyone intertwines. And the first time I saw it, I was like, I wish they would have yeah, connected more. Yeah, why does more. this story have anything to do with that? Yeah, and, and it doesn't, but, I mean... But their misery and their grief and them going through these moments in their lives where they're, like... It's, I think that's one of the cool things about it, and, and what makes it more of an ensemble cast kind of a movie is this idea that, you know you may be having the worst day of your life and in some sort of six degrees of separation is someone else who feels exactly the same that you do regardless of whether or not your lives have are, are in any way similar. Yep. You know, and that seems to be the common thread in, in Magnolia, how they talk about, like, sort of the synchronicity, this random synchronicity in the universe, you yep. know. And I, I don't know, it's just, it's a really cool idea. I mean, if and you it's, don't like P.T. Anderson's movies, the one thing you can say about him is he's original. Yeah, yeah you've never is. seen that before. Is, yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially um, the ending. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Amazing. Talk about random acts of God. Uh, my number three is um, uh, a war movie, which, you know, the, uh, every war movie you can say is an ensemble Sure, movie sure, yeah. They try and plug as many people as they can in mm -hmm. those things just to get guys on screen, you know. Yeah, uh, for sure. That kind of thing. But this is one of my favorites, and um, I, I'm surprised. Is it Black Hawk Down? No. no. God, no. <laughs> Why does everyone love that movie? I'm just fucking with I you. know you are, but I'm just like, there seems to be a big fan base for it's, that. It's because they push Orlando Bloom out of a helicopter. Is he even in that? I don't remember. I saw, they're all in faces are covered in mud. Yeah, they're all yeah. the same. But uh, it's Thin Red Line, the Terrence Malick right, movie. Right, right, yeah. And there is so many people in this. Let me go through the list real quick. Okay. It's super quick. And some of these guys have 30 seconds of screen time. You're right. But, uh... Adrian Brody, um, Jim, uh, Jim Casabell, uh, John Travolta, John Travolta, Travolta, uh, Sean Penn. Um, John <laughs> wait, wait, John Travolta sounds like that would be like a porn star's name, like like they would use that as a porn star name just so that some people would be like, oh, he's in a porno, we've got to get it. Travolta, yeah, just Travolta, like a fake name. yeah, just like there's an L on the end. Sean Penn, John C. Riley, George Clooney, Woody Harrelson, John uh, John Cusick. Nick Nolte, Jared Leto, there's just tons of people. I could go on and on, but uh, the, my favorite thing about this movie is that it's not really following a certain group of people and they're like, you know, like a Saving Private Ryan. No, I mean, it almost doesn't really it's have not a really story. Linear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not linear, but it just kind of shows how shitty life and war is kind of thing. And Terrence Malick should have won, well, I guess he didn't shoot it, but the cinematographer should have won for uh, the Academy Award that year, and I think got taken by Saving Private Ryan. That's right. But it's incredible. There's some amazing, amazing um, cinematography in this movie, and that's the first thing that captured me through the whole thing, and I, I think is better than... Saving it almost Private. actually has the feel of, like, a play, because there, mm -hmm. there's... I mean, there are scenes of, of uh, you know, conversation and people sure. talking to one another, but there's just as many scenes that almost seem like a, uh, a, a monologue. You know that that someone is just talking about mm -hmm. what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's amazing, and it is. It's really. It's, and their and once again, one of those, back home. Once again, a really different kind of a movie. It's yeah. it's, and I think had it come out in any other year than than when Saving Private Ryan, Ryan came out, uh, it probably would have got a lot more attention. Yeah, it's sort of like it, a lot it of is more movies that year too. I it think. is the deep impact to uh, Saving uh, <laughs> Private Ryan's Armageddon, if you will. Did you just spill another beer? Oh no, I did. Oh, what are you doing? I'm sorry. I was um, gonna bring up paper towels, dude. Hold on. Keep talking. Is there anything else about that? All right, we're back. My God, 
Look what I have to deal with, people. This is what I have to deal with. Every, I'm sorry, every, my presence well, is so... Ugh. It's so beer spillish. It's just, it's right by the computer. It's a little nerve-wracking. I'm That's sorry. All. It's okay. Just, you, you know, fight. control it. That's all. Okay, I'm going to do my number two. My number two is The Usual Suspects. Oh, good one. Um, this, once again, has a... A real, I mean, there are obviously moments where it's not at all, and there's big shootouts and 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 uh, lots of action scenes. But there's just as many moments where it could really, it really feels like a play. It's it's mm-hmm. one room with these characters talking. Love the you jail know. cell scene. Oh, the yeah. jail cell scene uh, later when they when they meet with the yeah, <laughs> of Libya, of Libya for real. He's oh, I'm shaking. <laughs> yeah. So who's talking the fact of jazz? Just like that. Can you hit me back. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hit me in the back? <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's it's definitely one of these ones. There's other scene where they're in the uh, sort of pool room uh, where they meet uh, Kubayashi, and they're all sort of talking before that, and then during that scene, uh, you know, and it's just it, it it has this really snappy, cool dialogue, and I mean, it it really leaves you guessing, and and one of the reasons why it leaves you guessing as to what is going on and and who's really in control is because each one of the characters is hiding something and you know it from the first time that that you see them on screen that yep. like you know these guys might these guys are trying to be past. yeah these, well not just sketchy past but these guys are trying to talk shit and seem tough but as many times as they're trying to talk shit and seem tough you're getting this uh this sense that there's more going on under the surface yeah. you know um, Even Stephen Baldwin is awesome. Yeah, he really does. Oh. It's it's a great movie, and I I I'd, I'd actually You're like to do that really soon. You're picking all the ones that I like uh, that you would have picked. I know. And I actually off. kind of thought maybe that you were going to do that, and so I was like, oh, I'm just going to go for it. And if we, if we end up with some of the same ones, then whatever. Cool. But uh, that's my number two. So why don't you go ahead? Uh, my number two um, is uh, JFK, the Oliver Stone movie. Oh, good call, man. The uh, one of my favorite Hell, Ol- yeah. Oliver Stone movies, probably his best. Um, tons of people in it. Oh yeah! Um, like if you're playing Seven Degrees to Kevin Bacon, that is the movie. That to is use. the fucking movie to use. Seriously, <laughs> that and Sleepers. But uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Those are good, uh, good ones for that game. But anyways, um, I think a lot of it too is I, I've always had kind of a weird obsession with the whole assassination oh, thing. Oh, me too. And they, um, we should just do a podcast of of, of uh, conspiracy theories about JF. We should do we should do JFK and do a four hour long episode <laughs> and just fucking go. This for is it. an hour longer than the movie. And yeah, <laughs> yeah no shit. Sorry, <laughs> no, but uh, it, the the context interests me so much, and he really shows so many. And a lot of people think. That it's just Oliver uh, Oliver Stone's take on what happened, but there's no. a, I went to a uh, they had this extra credit speech in college where they're like uh, you can go to this and you'll give you extra credits. These two guys who have followed the assassination since it's happened, right? These old like curmudgeon guys that are like <laughs> yeah. you know I've been doing this forever and they know everything. When about Oswald it. walked out <laughs> of the deputy's office, you heard a car <coughs> horn honk three times in the background, and then Jack Ruby showed up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, man! I've I've fucking I've read. I, in but, fact, just last week I read through my big book of conspiracies for the fourth time. Well, and and, <laughs> and the thing is, too, they were saying they're like ninety percent of what Stone is saying here actually happened. Yeah, you know, this is like yeah. not he's not. This is a anymore. it was a real investigation that uh uh um that's his name. What's uh, Kevin Costner's name oh, in I, the movie? It's on uh, the tip uh, of my tongue. I don't. I can't remember. I can't think of it either. But I mean, yeah, those were all real leads. Elliot that Moss? He, no, that's Untouchables. Yeah. Uh, 
You think about it, but we got Kevin Costner, Tommy Lee Jones, Kevin Bacon, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's so fucking good, man. So good. Oswald is amazing. Joe Pesci. Yeah, Joe Pesci. Um, Jack Lemmon's in it. John Candy's in it. Mm -hmm. Donald Sutherland. Michael Rooker. Donald Sutherland. Donald. That scene with Donald Sutherland Mm -hmm. and 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 Kevin Costner sitting there, and he's like, and he's like, you know, you shouldn't. He's like, you're you're asking the wrong questions. Yeah, you're asking the how, not the why. That that, that that's like, the only way I can see that movie being made. I, yeah. No one else could. have No, made it was amazing. And you know, once again, the one detail. of these movies. Because I'm one of these guys, and I don't know. Maybe I'm going to catch some shit for this, but like the movie Field of Dreams, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. I think it's fucking hilarious. I think Kevin Costner does such a fucking great job, and JFK is the same kind of thing. Where it's one of these movies where it, you see Kevin Costner in it, and you go, "So why do you do the Postman? Like, yeah. Why?" <laughs> Why do you why do you do tin it's cup? It's like the Nick Cage effect. Like why yeah, what what are you doing? Like yeah. the fuck man, like he can he's he, I mean there's few actors that seem when he's on when he's in a good movie, there's few actors that seem so natural. Mm-hmm. And oh, so, yeah. you know what I mean? Just well, like it doesn't even three hour movie and the court scenes and oh, everything, man. you know, it gets I mean it's It is it's fucking a, great. Well, and and Oliver Stone, this is one of those movies where Oliver Stone did this right. I mean, yeah. Even though I like U-Turn and I, 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 I love a I lot like, of stuff. I like Natural Born Killers. I think that the uh, this part's black and white, and this part's kind of sped yeah. up, and this part's backwards. Shit is just like great. You're weird. Yeah. Go direct music videos. Like this is totally ruining <laughs> no, the I movie. Agree. Yeah. But the, you know, uh, in JFK, using he, miles of film and stuff, just yeah, just so we can say do those weird cuts. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but this is one. This is a movie of of of, uh, of Stones where. Uh, you know, it, all all of the weird parts where it's like the black and white footage, and and, and it was recreated to look like this exact event, and all these things is uh, is is it totally adds to the the flavor of the film. Oh, it's great! Yeah. You know, on a weird side note, you know, uh, you know, Oliver Stone directed The Doors, and there is uh, not not as much, but there is a, a, a significant amount of conspiracy behind uh, Jim Morrison's death, and like. Lots of weird stuff having to do with witchcraft and possible assassinations by by like mm. his father was in the CIA and there's or not maybe not CIA but he was he was a high ranking like intelligence official and there's all these weird conspiracies with that but like Morrison was Oliver Stone's hero and it's funny that for the guy that's like the conspiracy nut film director mm-hmm. he doesn't touch any of that when he directed The Doors weird right I mean you I, think about the movie The Doors and it's like at the end Jim Morrison dies and everybody's sad and we're not going to talk anymore about that because he's my hero and if you say one thing about him like, it just makes me wonder like why didn't he you know like why didn't he fucking delve like he's all about that shit anyway he's very controversial like uh, that, so. so my number one my number one I have a, I have, a, I have a feeling I know what this is but go ahead it's The Big Chill yeah. Yep, that's what I was going to say. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Lawrence Kasdan uh, wrote and directed it. Kevin Klein, Jeff Goldblum, uh, uh, Glenn Close. Um, it, it, a, lot, a lot of other actors. Uh, Joe Beth Williams. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people. Uh, John Hurt. Uh, it, er, John Hurt? Is that right? No, I don't think so. I know who you're talking about, though. It's, uh, like, it's like John him. something. Yeah, why do I want to say John Hurt? It's not John Hurt. It's John. It's the dad from Home Alone, right? What? Is he in it? Dude, I don't remember him alone. <laughs> I just remember... Ah! That's the only thing I fucking remember no. from that movie. 
I know uh, what you're talking about. And that and that John Candy plays the uh, the polka guy who drives her back. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, it, it's it's just an incredible movie, and it's really Home Alone. You're talking about now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, The Big Chill is an incredible movie, and it you know it it was really uh, uh, interesting and touching to me, and and entertaining when I was younger. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw it when I was probably like 15 or 16. Um, but now that I'm getting older, um, and I see in my own life a lot of the themes that they utilize in this movie of sort of like, you know, these people that you're best friends with when you were younger, and, uh, maybe you lose touch, or, you know, maybe you even kind of do stay in touch a little bit, and then you try to get back together and hang out and have a couple drinks and talk about life, and, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe talk about politics, or, or, you know, children, or your big dreams and aspirations and things like this that all of a sudden you can't connect to these people anymore. And, uh, you know, even Caston says that the title came from uh, him on a plane ride with a uh, a guy that he went to college with. And he said, uh, you know, we were so excited. Like, we were sat next to each other. It was like kismet. We were like, oh, my God. And started talking. And, you know, he's like, in the first, like, 20 minutes were really awesome. And we were catching up and talking about yeah. old times. He's like, and then we just started kind of talking about the world. He said, you know, we were the biggest hippies in college. He's like, and this guy had turned into the most blue blood, money is everything, like God-fearing, right, like right-wing, just Republican, just asshole. Yeah. And he said, and I realized then that's the big chill, is when you suddenly realize I'm on the other fence, I'm on the other side of the fence of this person that I thought that I knew. Yeah. And then you start realizing, like, that was fucking forever ago, you know? That was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Crazy. And that, that this, that's really the theme of this movie, and it's ensemble. Everybody is almost in every scene together. And, you know, the, the basic plot is that one of their friends from college kills himself. Yep. And he was really the, the craziest, coolest, most outspoken, awesome guy uh, out of their whole group and he kills himself so they all get back together and and go to the funeral and then stay at, at uh, his place which he was renting from Kevin Klein's character. They all stayed there together for the weekend and uh, there's just the most amazing arguments and conversations yeah. just about you know and uh, it, it just it, it, it really hits so many tones about the idea of growing up and the idea of like that unabashed wisdom that you thought you had in your youth and that life has a way of fucking beating that shit out of you and that that's real and that that's not wrong for that to happen. That's reality. But that some people don't want to let it go or they think that it hasn't happened to them. And I don't know. It's just, it's a really great movie and it's it's got a fucking amazing soundtrack of old Motown Motown hits and it's got so many great one-liners and actually uh, having spoken about JFK, a funny piece of trivia about it is you never see, uh, their friend who who has died. The only bit that you see of yep. him is when they're dressing the corpse. It never shows his face, and it's great. They're dressing the corpse, and it's playing. <clears throat> um, I heard it through the grapevine, and it's just this amazing scene. Uh, but actually, it was Kevin Costner in his very first role really? before he did anything. Yeah, no that's way. that's who the body is. Actually, that's who the hands and feet and well, everything. My- are. My number one's going to seem like Home Alone now after that amazing... Oh, shit, I'm sorry. (laughs) In-depth... Sorry, I've been thinking about mortality a lot this week, I guess. I didn't mean to get so... No, it's great. No, that's an incredible (laughs) reason for loving the movie. No, it's great. Mine is just, I think, an awesome movie. And I know know you think it's an awesome movie, but it's true romance. Uh, You know, and that was going to be on my list, too. 
And, it, you know, well, I'll let you say what you're going to say about it. No, I have just one thing I mean, to say it's, about it. But. It's what made me love Tony Scott. Now, I, I said I wouldn't do a Tarantino thing, which he wrote it, of course. Right. But, but I mean, I think it's kind of separate. And it's a Tony it's, Scott thing. It's a for Tony sure. Scott thing. Oh and, yeah. And um, it really uh, not only are all the characters in the movie like Christian Slater, like Patricia Arquette, people that I don't necessarily always really like that much. Everybody is perfect and yeah. right in their roles. Gary Oldman. Oh, Gary fuck. Oldman! It ain't White Boy Day, is it? Yeah, no it, man, it ain't White Boy Day. Even uh, <laughs> even Sam Jackson, he's in it for like five oh, minutes. Man. I ate the pussy, I ate the butt, I yeah. ate the whole motherfucking thing. And then you know you got uh, Walkin' and Hopper, <laughs> yeah, and just uh, you name oh, it. Oh, the, the the eggplant Balky. story. Yeah, Balky's amazing <laughs> in it. Yeah, Bronson Pinto. Pinto. He's my favorite. Oh man, he's, he's so good. Yeah. He's, I love when that scene where they clip uh, the uh, mic to his balls. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's like, I, I'm here. I'm with the Girl Scouts of America. Girl Scouts of America. Only cookies. Favorite line from that we'll movie is cocaine. when he's talking to uh, uh, what's the guy that plays the film director that, that, that that's I don't know, but he's in a great. Body bag. I've seen him in so many other movies too, and he is fucking great. But where he's yelling him on the phone, and he's like, "No, it's it's my friend. Um, you remember my friend Dick?" And he's like, "What? Who the fuck is Dick?" And he's like. You want me to suck his dick? <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, who the fuck is Dick? And he's like, oh, oh, Dick's my friend. He is so good yeah. at that. But uh, Brad Pitt, Chris Penn is in it, Tom Sizemore. Um, just James Gandolfini mm-hmm. in it. Oh. oh, my God, James Gandolfini. You know, he's Tony look, watching it, yeah. watching it back now yeah. after seeing The Sopranos, it's still an amazing performance. But before he did The Sopranos, you didn't know who he was, and he was in that. He is the most terrifying thing. I wouldn't be surprised if they saw him in that, and they're like, "That guy should that's be our guy." Yeah, yep. that's our Tony Soprano. But I think the only comment I would make as far as ensemble goes is that uh, the movie is is. is is definitely more than anything else about Clarence in Alabama. Yeah, of course. And so they are they do stick out a little bit more. If this if we would have been able to get a little bit more of the other characters' stories pushed up just a little bit further to the mm-hmm. front, then it would be but totally it's, that. It's in that one thing. family, you know, that it definitely, we were discussing. Yeah. And, and that all their parts work and they're funny or they're Well and you do get these great scenes like with uh um, I think Tom Sizemore and Chris Penn, the cops. Yeah. Oh, I mean, well, who's his uh, buddy? Roles. The one that was on the, that fucking. Oh, Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's one. Is you he's get that great. great scene where he goes to the audition. Yeah. And he's supposed to be driving the car. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, shoot out their tires. <laughs> like, and oh, it's the worst fucking thing. But like, you know, it's so that job. kind of stuff's Captain really. Captain Kangaroo. Oh man. So it's it's. Uh, Definitely it's Brad Pitt's best role ever. Man. Oh yeah. Uh, it's so good. Get some. Um, get some more toilet paper and some cleaning products. This place is a pigsty. Such a stoner. Oh man, so great. Smoking out of the uh, the honey bear bong. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> oh man, Do you have mentions. Yeah, I have so many. I do um, too. I you know, time. another one uh, going along with the same thing as the big chills. The other Lawrence cast in uh, Grand, Grand Canyon. Canyon. Yeah, uh, which is Terrific really fucking movie. cool, man. And it's it's really, it, you know, it it it's, it's sort of like the big chill. Uh, you know, 15, yeah. 15 years later, like, of, of actually sort of being in that apathy. You know, and that's and a movie that's like, that I know? saw, like, at the bin at Target for, like, three bucks. And yeah. I'm like, that looked kind of cool. I'll buy it. And I bought it, and I was like, holy shit, why My is God. this $3? <laughs> Man, just, just <clears throat> the scene of, of, of uh, Kevin Klein and, and Danny Glover after Danny Glover basically yeah. saves his life yeah. um, from getting carjacked and killed by from a group gangsters, of gangsters, you yeah. know. And they're sitting at the tow shop 
and he's just like the way that he talks about the way Danny Glover Glover's character talks about life is just oh, it's so fucking cool, man. The uh, here's one that I was debating and it very, very, very closely made my list, but I wasn't sure because it fall, may fall a little away from mm -hmm. one of those categories. But I love this movie. It's Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it works as an ensemble because no. it's really about just Wayne and Garth. Yeah, but I mean, no, the Farley, other characters yeah. are amazing, but I mean, they have—they're not, you know, they're not centri but central characters. Al Bundy's in it. There's tons of. Sweet oh my work. god, dude! Al Bundy. Al, what is his fucking name? Um, Ed uh, O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Yeah. Uh, that part where he's where and and actually, this is what shows you that it's not an ensemble movie because. Garth gets mad, or Garth gets mad about this, but the camera comes into the diner and just turns to Ed O'Neill and he's like, "When you kill a man, when you kill a man in war, they call you a hero. Yeah. When you kill a man for sport, they call you a murderer. Did you know that if you stab a man in the dead of winter, steam rises from the body?" And he goes, "Hey, hey, hey! What are you doing? You're stealing our movie? Oh yeah. man, we talked to the camera." That's right. But Laurel Flynn Boyle is awesome. Oh my God! A gun rack. A gun rack. <laughs> I don't um, even have a gun, let alone enough to constitute a rack. An entire rack. Uh, I have two days in the valley. Oh, that's a good one. That is what that and that really follows the true idea of ensemble, where yeah. there's one there there's there's little snippets of other plot lines, but there's one main plot line, and all these characters are somehow wrangled up into it. I have uh, heat. Obviously, a good one. To, you got to mention that. Yeah, that almost made it, but I thought, does three constitute ensemble? Really, three. I think there's more than three characters. Main characters, though. Yeah. I think I mean, there's three. You look I have one for you, though. Life. Sin City. Oh, that's a good one I didn't think about. And that's and that's total ensemble. I mean, oh, very yeah. much in the same vein as Pulp Fiction or Magnolia. It yeah. has that idea. Um, 25th Hour was the only other one I had. The Spike 25th? Lee movie. I never saw that. Oh, it's I don't like Spike Lee at all. You know this. Mm -hmm. And um, that movie is... I think part of it is because he didn't write it, but right. it's amazing, and I don't know why it didn't get very much love, because it's truly awesome, and it fits together perfectly, it has an amazing ending, Brian Cox, Edward Norton, Philip Seymour Hoffman, wow. um, I'm trying to think who else, uh, what's her name, uh, who's in X-Men, with the, uh, oh, oh, what is her name? I don't know. She's got the... The place Rogue? Yeah. Uh, the one was in the uh, the piano. I know her name. I'll get there. Anna Paquin. Thank you. That's it. Okay. And, you know, there's a bunch of people in it. Um, who's awesome in it? Barry Pepper. He's awesome. I love Barry Pepper. <laughs> okay, I got a couple more really quick for you. Uh, a Mighty Wind yeah. or Best in Show. Any any, any of the Christopher Guest Christopher movies. Guest amazing. Movies. Um, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. I thought was another good one. Crash. Here's a weird one for you. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But see, I mean, if if you're talking about ensemble, it can get into you know, any the, any movie that any has movie a bunch of people. Ever. Now here's one that's so a true ensemble one. I barely barely didn't make my list. Clue. <laughs> I fucking awesome. love Clue. I love Clue too. I love I Clue. Seen that in but so I think it's because I just have the biggest heart on for Madeline Kahn because she's so freaking hot in that movie. And you gotta um, mention, you know, the Oceans movies. I guess. Those yeah, are, that that, are, that counts too. Th I those think. are definitely ensemble movies. Um, so I guess we could more. just go for another yeah. three or four let's hours. Just, but let's just end it there. Um, you know what we never talked about is what movie we're gonna do next. Oh no, we did talk about it. We didn't talk the about prestige. top five list. We're gonna do the Prestige next week, which I have not seen yet. So this is his first one he hasn't seen. So that. Yeah, cool. you already have to, but we don't have top fives for it. No, well, we'll think of them and we'll... Uh, we'll Maybe we'll top five magician movies. Yeah, I was thinking of that, but... How come nobody's made a movie about about Harry Houdini? 
Mm. Like a really awesome fucking biopic about that's her. Good, good idea. Yeah, it'd be a great movie. Yeah, magician movies. That's good. We'll think of another one. Okay. Maybe Christopher Nolan esque, I guess. Something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure, figure it out. out. All right, so that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. This has been Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And, Episode 15. Uh, yep. How about, should we do a little cheers for the ending? And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>